The Z-Ball podcast is a casual conversation that occasionally delves into mature subjects and may contain vulgar adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Z-Ball Podcast, and the 2017 NBA season is now in the history books, and the Golden State Warriors are the 2017 champions. Uh, congratulations to them and all their fans. Uh, a great season for them, 67-15, and 15, and then 16-1 and 1 in the NBA postseason, an all, all-time NBA record. And uh, joining me to get into all this uh, and t- talk about a little bit about the draft and a little bit of free agency stuff. Uh, I haven't talked to him since the conference semifinals. Diehard Boston Celtics fan from Pasadena, California. Akshay, what up, Akshay? How's it going? What's up, dog? Uh, it's going pretty well, bro. You know, I mean, it's been a while, man. Conference semifinals, exciting uh, NBA playoffs, and and uh, a championship uh, by the, by the Warriors, bro. It's been good. Uh, great to have you. A pleasure as always. Uh, so let's get straight into it. Uh, what what stood out to you for the Warriors and uh, their dominating uh, five game win over uh, Cleveland? Uh, and what do you think uh, Cleveland could have done to kind of had uh, to have give themselves a better shot in that series? Shooting, bro. It, it, it's got to be shooting. You know, Golden State shoots lights out. You know, I mean that's the that's how they are. You know, I mean that's what stood out to me. It just it's a shooting. You know, I mean obviously. Having Kevin Durant there is going to obviously help because it's uh, you. You can't really um, guard three guys: Durant, Curry, and and um, uh, Thompson. You know, you can't really guard all, um, all three at one time. You know, and especially with Cleveland, I don't think they have besides LeBron and Kyrie, and then um, uh, I think maybe. I, I, I can't think of anybody else who's like uh, on their team who's a lockdown defender. You know, that's the. I think that's what Cleveland lacked. They weren't able to stop all um, all three of the guys. You could stop Durant, but but uh, you know what? A Curry might go off. You know, so it's. Uh, I think that's what Cleveland ended up doing. But I mean, hats off to Golden State. You know, they won the title. Obviously, um, I'm, I might be over biased in this. Uh, in my opinion, with uh, Durant, you know, Durant definitely gave them a huge advantage, you know, because he's like um, one of the best players in the game, and he already he goes to a stacked team already. You know, it just makes it a lot more tougher to, for any team to beat them. But uh, I think Cleveland, what they could have done is, um, if they shot better, this would have been more of a series. You know, and there were just a couple games where Cleveland couldn't even shoot the ball, I and mean, it's like. Besides uh, LeBron, besides uh, Kyrie, I didn't see anybody else really consistently shoot the ball, you know, consistently make baskets, you know. And uh, I think that maybe um, another thing, it could be that Tyrone Liu, sort of um, the coach, I think he sort of uh, he underestimated in a way that I, I think they should have been more physical with this team, you know, because um, Warriors are not a physical team. They're a finesse team. If you're physical, if you rattle them in the head, 
I think you have uh, a better chance of beating them. You know, but what's done is done, you know. It was a, it was a fun series. Uh, it was a fun playoffs, and it was a fun final. Yeah, right. And then uh, I think the Warriors, I mean, they were just be able to play with their offensive pace, and I think that's the main key for when whenever they play and they ever whenever they dominate opponents in my opinion they they run that fast pace finesse style and they make their shots they move the ball and they kind of trick the other team into kind of speeding up their offensive pace as well so, and i think that's what they did here but uh in the preview podcast that i did uh with Syed uh about three weeks ago i, I mentioned three keys for cleveland and I said pace was probably the most important. I, th- I thought they had to kind of control the pace, kind of slow it down a bit. And then, like you mentioned, physicality for sure. And then dominating the glass. And they didn't do any one of those three things in in the finals at all. Uh, there was no physicality at all on both sides, not, neither on Golden State or Cleveland. I think Golden State dominated the glass. They, they, had, they had the rebounding advantage four out of the five games. And... What, what was the other one? Physicality, pace, and then pace. I mean, Cleveland, it was just pretty much a track meet for all, all five games. I mean, all the games were in, yeah. into the 115s. Uh, Golden State, was, I think, scored 120-plus like three times out of five games. And then I don't I don't think, like I mentioned in that the preview pod, I think if you play at that kind of pace, you're pi- kind of picking your poison, you're playing into Golden State's hand, and... Basically, the, the physicality thing you mentioned, Game 7 last year in 2016, where Cleveland beat Golden State 93-89, to that was low scoring. Cleveland, I mean, dribbled the ball, I mean, ran down the shot clock, had a, a sense of physicality on both sides of the ball, defense and offense. They really kind of rattled Golden State, came down to the wire, and I mean, Golden State didn't score a point for the last five, six minutes, but... Uh, like you said, I mean, not you can't really do anything about it now for Cleveland. Uh, only thing you can do is learn going into next season, kind of how what strategies to make to beat Golden State next year if they ultimately do meet up again in the finals. But uh, I mean, getting back to Golden State, I mean, this is a a three year run where they probably they've for sure been the best team in the league, and the only team in NBA history to win sixty five plus games three straight seasons. And then the only team to have 16, uh, 16-1 record in the NBA playoffs. So, I mean, where do you kind of stack this team up against other great teams like your 1986 Celtics, the 96 Bulls, the 2001 Lakers? I mean, how do you think uh, they stack up to with these other uh, great transcendent teams of, of the past? You know, I mean, uh, that's a good question. You know, I mean, uh, uh, that's a good question. Uh, people might say what I'm about to say could be a little biased, you know, because being me being a Celtic fan and the Celtics in the uh, in the 60s, 70s dominance in the in the 80s with the Lakers uh, rivalry and so on, you know. Uh, but the, you know, the way I see it is, that, I mean, this is the modern NBA. You know, the NBA has changed. Whether that's because of uh, higher ratings, because they're consistently in uh, this city, uh, playing catch up with the NFL, uh, as far our, our ratings concerned, you know the game has changed. What the game was in the 60s, 70s, um, more physicality in the game, in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s with the Pistons and so on. 
you know, that, that's gone. The game now has become a more finesse game. It's more, it's more about um, attraction. You know, it's more about scoring. It's more about uh, making, just uh, uh, lighting up the scoreboard. The, the word defense is not really that much talked about now in the game, you know, and I, I think it's, it's a different era. You know, I mean, in this era, yeah, uh, uh, Golden State is, is definitely playing. I mean, they're showing what the NBA wants right now. You know, but if you if I were to uh, to stack it up to like teams like the uh, the Celtics in the 60s, 70s, uh, Lakers in the early 80s, uh, the Celtics in the 80s, the uh, Pistons, you know, in the late 80s, 90s, the Bulls, you know, in in the 90s, it's like that was a different team. I I would definitely rank those teams higher than these Golden State Warriors because the game then was more interesting to me than it is now. Because the game with them is more physicality. You know, you you saw like um, uh, 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 the great uh, um, championships between the I mean, the, yeah, the NBA championship between Pistons and Bulls. You know, with Jordan, every time Jordan went into the lane, he got hammered. You know, he got hammered. He got pushed down. And back then, the league wasn't soft. It's like those were okay. Those calls were fine. Nowadays, it's like the league, you go by and you literally um, a blow on a, a player going by, they turn around and call for a foul. You know, and then most of these star players get that foul. So I think it's, uh, I mean, uh, I think in this era, you know, which is in this era of the NBA, the post, uh, the, um, what do you call the, 2000 um, era, uh, past like maybe 2005 um, or six, the new NBA is uh, Golden State is definitely living up to the hype. But as uh, compared to like the 80s, 90s, and before, I think those are much better teams. And I think if Golden State played in that era, they would not be this successful. Yeah, those are all great points. I mean, the thing to kind of consider when we kind of compare these teams across eras, I mean, just like like you mentioned the rules. I mean, I think the rules are a big thing. It's like if they do, this is all hypothetical anyways, but even if they do face off, like what rules are in place? Is there hand checking, no hand checking? Is it the more lax, lax whistle? I mean, is it physical? Is it not physical? Is it finesse? So these are all things to take into account. But, I mean, Golden State, I mean, in my opinion, I mean, has had one of the most historic runs, I mean, in NBA history. I mean, we haven't really seen much of this before. And then I think what kind of gets uh, overlooked about this Golden State team is their their versatility and just how good they are defensively as well. And then adding Durant, I mean, kind of even uh, made them better defensively from the past two seasons, which, which they were really good. I mean, and it kind of gave them a new uh, kind of scary look with... Uh, the length of Durant, I mean, he's kind of just floats around, uh, uses his length, and, I mean, he just blocks. Uh, he, I saw him a couple times where he just floated around, I mean, and just blocked Kyrie Irving's shot in the finals, and Kyrie had no idea who was coming at all. So uh, uh, what, what's your whole take on uh, all these old, uh, old school guys like Rasheed Wallace and Charles Barkley and all these guys saying, like, uh, our teams back in the day would run through this Warriors team? I mean... What's your whole take on that? Well, I have to agree with them. <laughs> I have to agree with them. They would definitely want through, you know. Hands down, they're not doing that because the game now, because they're just more physical, you know. 
Durant is like what? What? Well, he's like six ten. He's like barely two two twenty pounds, I think. You know, I mean, dude, if they if they play now, Charles Barkley would just hammer him down to the ground. Bottom line, you know, I mean, um, there was talk where there's even talk where um, the Lakers were even saying like Matt Johnson were saying like, dude, Showtime Lakers, there's no way uh, this team would even come close to the Showtime Lakers. You know, there's no way. <laughs> I, in my humble opinion, you know, I, I I don't believe it. I think this team is just more um, built to to today's NBA, which is more three point shooting. You know, uh, more um, more of a uh, finesse kind of game. It's more of uh, it's not physical at all. You know, it's not even it's because it's because the game's not meant to be physical. You know, it's it, to me it's just amazing. You know, it's so well where like a player goes in and it's like he's not even touched coming in and he cries for a foul and they're asking give him a foul. You know, it's just to me it's amazing. You know, and I I, I don't know what to say. You know, but I but I think it's uh, I think Charles Barkley, Rashid Wallace, and uh, Matt Johnson, and um, I forget the other people. There's like so many other players who have made comments. I think they're 100 percent correct because I don't think these Golden State Warriors have played in uh, have played in the real NBA, and I think that's kind of sad. Where it's like the league is all about ratings. You know, it's all about ratings. Let's let's try to get let's make catch up. Let's because yeah, I don't know. It's just uh, the league has changed. You know, I mean. But, it, it, but, but I see it like this way. You know, Golden State was quick to catch up on this. They changed their adapting world. But pretty soon, you'll see in the next couple of years, a lot of teams will do the same thing. You know, they'll, they'll, they're going to do exactly what the Warriors are doing. Uh, they're going to get that quick tempo game. They're going to get shooters as, as more focusing on, um, on big men. You know, back in, back in the uh, uh, before 2000, you know, there was, there was a reason why there is... Uh, uh, the four and the five position were extremely vital positions. You know, they were big guys because uh, people come into the paint, you're gonna get uh, you're gonna get punished. Now it's like the four and five in, in the league. Now they're more stretch kind of guys. You know, the guys who, who can hit the, the twenty footer. You know, so but the, but that's how the league changes. So you know, I think it's um, I think they have every right to say what they did. You know, and I think they're right. You know, <laughs> I can't argue with them. Okay, yeah. I mean, it's all hypothetical anyways, but uh, I think just for me, uh, kind of the big thing, like I mentioned before, I mean, what roles are they playing in? That's kind of the determination to me of, I mean, who would come out on top. And it's yeah. it's really hard to say, I mean, based on either hand check or no hand check, physicality involved, no physicality. But, uh, I mean, the Warriors, uh, one thing is they played very excellent defense and no hand checking allowed so i think in a era where it's more physical i think their defense would probably get better i mean considering that they would be allowed to hand check and be a little more physical but uh i mean kind of going back to kind of the series i mean and kind of the golden state warriors season i mean durant had that injury throughout the kind of in maybe a little bit after the all-star break and then everyone kind of panicked a little saying that Spurs were going to overtake them first place kind of overreacted a little but i mean where where were we at from the beginning of the season where it was basically Durant and Curry it was kind of up in the air who was going to be the best player but as we've saw all season and throughout the playoffs Kevin Durant is clearly the best player on the Warriors and i think 
that's not even much of a conversation going forward. Am I correct? No, no, I, I totally agree. But going back on your uh, on your statement there, I, I wanted to go back uh, a little bit and say, talk about the Spurs and, uh, and whatnot, you know, back to the series. You know, I mean, hats off to Golden State, you know. I mean, I, um, hats off to their victory. But I don't think if, um, I honestly believe if uh, Kawhi didn't get hurt, if Parker didn't win out for the season, they would not have had beat the Spurs. I mean, we saw Game One where they were down by they were down by like twenty first game, and then I think that Zaza Pakulia, I think he's a very dirty player. You know, I mean, he, he's a dirty player, and uh, I think what he did is that was intentional. Landing on um, uh, a Kawhi Leonard's foot, and then obviously Kawhi Leonard's out uh, for the rest of the series, and there you go. You know, uh, because Kawhi Leonard was playing point forward because uh, um, uh, Tony Parker was, was gone. You know, so there you go. Uh, Spurs um, collapsed. You know, so um, I just think you know what uh, I think. Um, I think it was uh, obviously Golden State won, but I think they got lucky in this series. I mean, in that series, and then uh, I also believe in like in this series here. Game uh, Game Four, uh, when the um, uh, when 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 Cleveland won Game Four, you know, I mean, obviously there was there was two plays where uh, what's his face uh, Green should have been uh, got a um, a flagrant foul. Then he then I think the second one should have been called on him as well, and he should have been kicked out of Game Five. Azaja Pakuya was. Proved he's, he's once again a dirty player, and he, yeah, I don't know what these uh, what these Warriors' fascination is with other players' crotches, but but he, but he he decides to like knee, um, um, I forget who the player was in the crotch. You know, it's like it, it was totally evident what happened, and obviously that was that should have been a fuck flagrant too. He should have been kicked out of Game Five too. You know, so I, I mean, it, I mean, what, what's said is, what's done is, uh, I mean, uh, the term I'm seeking for is what's said is done. You know, and it's uh, Golden State won, but I, I think they were, um, I think they were helped in a way. You know, I mean, obviously, unfortunately, injuries happen, things happen. I think that assisted them in this series. You know, and I, I, I think another thing is like. Um, once again, in my humble opinion, I think um, I think the Celtics would have been a tougher opponent for them than the than the uh, the Cavaliers because the Celtics were really? built for, yeah. I think the Celtics were built to play this kind of team, you know, because the Celtics have what they have three perimeter defenders that can defend. You have Bradley, you have Smart, and then you have um, a Crowder. You know, you have three guys that can defend. You know, I mean, obviously, they're not going to shut you down. Uh, don't get me wrong, but they will limit you. You know, and I think the Celtics would have put a pop up, would have, I mean, they weren't going to beat Golden State, but they would have definitely put up a better fight, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, that's all. I, it's uh, kind of, I mean, hypothetical. I mean, that would be tough to see. But, I mean, kind of going back to kind of the, 
the Warriors, I mean, yes, I mean, they've been a little fortunate kind of with other teams' injuries, I mean, throughout the last three seasons. But, uh, I mean, given that, I think I still think they would have beaten San Antonio. I mean, it definitely, if Kawhi was healthy, I, it definitely would have been a longer series, like six or, six or seven games. I, th- I still think they would have uh, come out on top over San Antonio. And, I mean, th- I think I heard something. They've only played uh, three series in the last three years, I think, with the other team being fully healthy or something. But, I mean, uh, there. I mean, given all that, I mean, even if they face fully healthy teams, I think they'd still come out on top most of the time. I think they're a very great team, both offensively and defensively. And, I, I mean, let's kind of maybe go into that, uh, the Celtics being tougher. I mean, I could see what your point on the defensive end, but, I mean, offensively, I mean, the Celtics move the ball, I mean, but... I think they're very three reliant. I mean, and when that shot isn't hitting, they can't really go elsewhere for offense. And then, so I mean, that that's kind of the. Yeah, no, no. Uh, 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 that is true, you know. But the but the Celtics team has not been completely built yet, you know. It's uh, they're still a work in progress, uh, so to speak, you know. I mean, but that's what their game is like, you know. They definitely ball movement. That's what you with. Uh, um, they have the ball movement. They like to, to space the floor, but they don't have the shooters, you know. And that's another thing where eventually they'll they'll get to that level once they get the once they get the shooters that Golden State has, you know. And then I I just think that's part of the. It, it, it's like I said before. It's just coming down to the way the league is now, and, and the league is going. It's more to like the open space kind of shooting, shooting the three pointer, and so on, you know. And then I think. The Celtics will get there, you know. I think they're already they're already above expectations, and I, I think it will, um, they'll eventually get to that point. Okay, definitely. And then, I mean, kind of getting at another point. I mean, uh, kind of a uh, back to the final series, uh, the LeBron Durant discussion. I mean. Uh, were we only really having this discussion because your uh, your buddy Paul Pierce kind of mentioned it uh, laxadaisically at the end of after game two, or? Do you think we would have had the discussion either way? Either way, dude. Either way. It's not about it has anything to do with Paul Pierce. It's just either way. You know, I mean Durant, LeBron, and it, it's totally different things, you know. I mean I mean Durant I mean I I think everybody knows my opinion on Durant now. I mean I, re, I respect for the guy but now I don't respect him at all because uh of his uh of his cheap move to Golden State to, to chase rings. You know, I, I don't even believe that. I mean, even LeBron, his whole thing when, when he went to Miami, you know, he went to Miami and then now uh, he came back. At least he came back, you know, that sort of salvaged what he did. And he, he won the title for Cleveland. Now it's all talk again. I mean, it's all rumors, speculations, so to speak. That uh, when he opts out in 2012, he he wants to go somewhere else and he wants to form a, a banana boat team with the, with his buddies, you know. And and he he comes out saying, oh, "Hey, you know what? I never played on a super team," <laughs> which has been in the news lately. But it's like, dude, Earth LeBron, what did you do with the Heat? Huh? So I mean, it 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 goes both ways, I guess. But uh, I don't know. It's hard to say, but I mean they're going at it, Durant and LeBron. But I think Durant still has a long way to go. And like, dude, 
it's like with Durant, it's like, oh, what did you accomplish, bro? It's like, you couldn't, uh, you, you choked in Oklahoma City, you know, when the ball was in hand. You were the man in Oklahoma City, and you choked. You know, you were up 3-1 against Golden State, and you choked. You know, I mean, that, that's the bottom line. And then, and what do you do is uh, you, uh, um, you, you go against your word, You'll go against the people of Oklahoma City saying that, oh, it's a great city, yeah, I love the people, I love the city, and you go against it, and you hop over to Golden State uh, because you want to join a bandwagon and win a rig. So it, it's sort of like, uh, but at the same time with LeBron, it's like he did the same thing, going with the Heat. So, so I don't know, dude. I mean, it's kind of like, um, it's like a catch-22 for me. I really don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. Who's the better person? Okay, I mean, uh, regardless of who's the better person, I, I think you've kind of established that you you don't really like either one of these guys as free agent agent moves, and it seems like you're not really uh, a fan of these super teams and all this stuff. You're more of a, a organic building process, uh, drafting, right, building right. from within. But I mean, given that, I mean, I guess both of that you can kind of slide off. Both of them did that, but given that, I mean, at the current moment. Who do you think is the better player, and who do you think, uh, and do you think Durant can ultimately chat, uh, catch LeBron and kind of the career uh, impact on the game and the kind of the career accomplishments and so forth? Well, right now I have to go hands down with LeBron. Is better? Is definitely better than Durant. I mean, Durant just won one title with the help of uh, with the Splash Brothers. You know, I mean. Um, I mean, granted, uh, uh, LeBron won his titles with uh, Wade and Bosch, but, I mean, when he came back to Cleveland, he pretty much he, he did it on himself. I mean, he did it by himself. I mean, Irving was, was there, yes, but uh, LeBron pulled his game up to a different level. So I definitely have to go with LeBron over Durant, because I, in my mind, Durant hasn't really accomplished much at all. Yes, he, he won a ring, but he won a ring on a sack team, and he wasn't uh, the alpha male, you know, because, it, yes, he was, like, maybe the best player, but I, I cannot consider him the alpha male. Who's the alpha male, then? <laughs> I don't think there is an alpha male in Golden State. I think there's just too many people. You know, I don't think there's alpha male. They just play what he calls. They play... Uh, Selfless team, ball? You know, they play team ball. I don't think there's there's one guy that doesn't come out as the alpha male. Maybe the only guy you can see is the alpha male on that team is probably Draymond Green because the guy talks a lot of smack. Well, Draymond Green is the like kind of the emotional leader. I mean, definitely. No, don't don't get yeah. me wrong about that. But I mean, I think Durant is clear in a way the best player on the team. I think oh, he's, yeah, he, he's oh, a yeah. lot better than Stephen Curry, who's a. Oh, Who's a two-time reigning MVP and the only unanimous MVP in NBA history? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I agree with you. Um, Durant is the best player in the team, but when it comes to accomplishing what LeBron did, I think Durant's um, light years behind. You know, because LeBron did a lot of stuff. You know, I mean, yes, uh, he he left Cleveland for Miami and then he came back, and now is all the rumors, all I think, but at least. LeBron is didn't. Um, at least I would uh, definitely take, consider LeBron better than uh, Durant, because LeBron is the kind of guy where it's like he can play what 
all five positions on, on the team if he needed to. Durant cannot play all, all five positions. There's no way. He's, I mean, he, he can play maybe one, two, three, maybe four uh, against like guys who are smaller than him, but guys who are, who are bigger physical, I don't think he's a good four or five. Well, he's starting to play a little more center for them defensively, and uh, he's kind of become, yeah. be, become their kind of go-to rim protector and kind of really... Re- revamp their already great defense so i mean that's kind of an interesting wrinkle moving forward and we'll see how it is, that it is it is you know i mean he did do that he, he did play four in the center but i think is that's because of uh, how the game was you know if you slow down the game which cleveland should have done like he did last year slow down the game like you mentioned take time off the clock take the shots calculated shots and one knock then i don't think um uh, Durant would be as effective on defense. All right, definitely. And uh, kind of getting back into that Durant-LeBron conversation, uh, I am all for players su- forming super teams. I, I kind of love it. I mean, even though I'm, I'm not a bit the biggest Golden State fan, I'm more of a LeBron fan. I was rooting for him to win this series. But, I mean, I had no problem when LeBron went from Cleveland to Miami and I had absolutely no problem when Durant was courting everyone who was courting him in the Hamptons last summer, and he ultimately chose Golden State. And here's why. My thing is, if you go to another team as a free agency, even if it's a stack team, if you're the best player on the team, I don't really have any problem with it because you're still going to be historically great, historically transcendent, like LeBron already is. And he has, I think, three or four more good years at least. And I think Durant is well on his way to becoming historically transcendent. And I'm just all for upward upward mobility, player mobility, player uh, freedom to go wherever they want, choose their situation. And I think that should be the name of the game for NBA free agency. I agree with you. You know, I mean, yes, player mobility and uh, players being able to move to other teams and so on, create super teams. I thought maybe... That's how the league is becoming. I agree with you on that. But my my disagreement comes here. Is like, I'm a little old school. You know, my thinking, my mentality, I'm a little old school. And I believe in something called uh, your word. Your word is everything. You know, I mean, you, if you say something, you do it. You stand behind it. You know, I mean, when Durant comes out and says, you know what, uh, when LeBron went to Miami, Durant came out and started talking about you know, all these super teams, uh, is something I would never do. You know, then he comes out and he, he says about um, Oklahoma City. Uh, he gets very uh, emotional uh, at that press conference. So he talks about his mom, Oklahoma City, saying, oh, the city um, is so great. It's just so great. I would never, ever leave here. But what does he do? He turns his back on them. You know, and to me, that's more, maybe it's more personal to me, but it's, it, to me, it's like, I was taught from a young age, and I, I, I met people who are, were in my life where they taught me about your word is, your, is, is what defines you as a person, you know, not as, um, not as like whatever, you, you, you can be good at a basketball player, football player, or whatever, whatever you do, but what really defines you is your word. And I, I think that's sort of, um, in my opinion, I think Durant, um, According, I mean, to, to my feelings, I sort of lost respect for him when he when he left. Even LeBron, in a way, you know, uh, when he left to pursue things. I mean, it's all good 
go ahead and pursue your thing. If you want to go to a super team, if you want to go um, join up with your buddies and, and make another team, it's a free world. You, you, you can do what you want. But don't go out and say, uh, uh, I promise or don't give you a word and then go behind it. You know, that's sort of giving a wrong impression in my mind. Especially the league. You know, I mean, the league is always, the way I see it is like, is like the league is like you have small kids and you have all these people who are watching the game. It's like if they look up to you to be a role model. And if you're doing things like this, it's not really a role model kind of type. You know, I mean, you're sort of setting the wrong impression. All right, fair enough. I mean, uh, I think that's a kind of an interesting philosophical other type of conversation we can have. I mean, that would be, I mean, a, a much different topic kind of to the one we're discussing on this podcast tonight, okay. basically. But, I mean, kind of where, where are you on the LeBron, the whole LeBron, uh, the three and five finals record? I mean, do you think any less of LeBron because of his three and five finals record? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think at all. You know, the guy is, you know, I mean, you're not going to win every single game you play. You know, I mean, for him to reach the finals for eight years in a row, you know, I mean, that's pretty in- in- incredible. I mean, I don't ever see that ever being done besides maybe the Celtics run in the 60s. I think when they won nine straight titles, I think. But, I mean, it's, to me, it's historic. You know, people are always going to hate, you know. Haters are going to hate is a term, you know. They're going to hate. Um, they're going to hate on... Um, it, it always, uh, uh, there's always going to be haters, you know, who are going to hate. But, I mean, for a guy to go to that many finals in a row, it's it's incredible. And you're not going to win every single one. You don't win every single thing that you do in life, right? You're going to win, you're going to lose. So, I mean, but, but it, it, it's historic to what LeBron has done. Uh, definitely, I agree. Uh, I mean, and then, I mean, where are we on this whole thing where, I mean, kind of a finals loss, it kind of almost like, to me, it's it seems like almost at least like it's better off for LeBron to lose against Toronto or Boston in the semis or the conference finals just to, so his finals record doesn't worsen. I mean, where are you on that one, exact, on that argument? You know, I don't really favor that. You know, I mean, to me, the whole point is, is to get to the finals, whether you win or lose. If you win, hey, even better. But the fact that you got to the finals is another aspect I think a lot of people don't respect. You know what I mean? Because you got to the finals. You know, it's like, the, it's like I say per se like this with the Celtics. You know, the Celtics got to the Eastern Conference Finals. You know, no one expected it, but they got there and they won the Eastern Conference title this year and they got to the Eastern Final. You know, and um, yes, they lost, but you know what? Um, a lot of people don't realize it's, it's still an achievement to get to the finals. You know, and uh, I, I just think it's, um, I just think that's what it is. You know, I mean, it's, uh, a lot of people don't, re- don't respect that, but... It was obviously when you get to the finals, people want you to win, and the loser becomes the goat, and so to speak. Yeah, but it's uh, but the team did get to the finals. You know, they beat so many other teams to get there. So I think that um, that still deserves respect, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely, I agree, and I mean, 
And LeBron, I mean, seven straight finals. I mean, it's really hard to get to the finals. I mean, even though it might be in the Eastern Conference, I, I get the Eastern Conference is overall weaker than the Western Conference, but it's it's not like it's the D, a D league D league teams you're going against. I mean, and then a lot of LeBron critics point to, well, he's had this is the the easiest run to the finals. This is the easiest run to the finals, and I mean, this is all bullshit. I mean. <laughs> The, this he's never had any of the easiest runs of the finals, and it's not even close. And to most people, if I I were to name the team that had the easiest run that I've ever seen, they'd be super surprised at who who the team was. And I don't think any of the less less of the team personally. I think they're a great team. But I mean, who do you think that team is that had the easiest run to the finals? Actually, in my opinion, you know, that's a good question. I'm just thinking who had the easiest run to the finals. Ah, uh, let's see here. Ah, uh, let's see. Before the last final, I mean, obviously it was Golden State this year. I think it was this year, actually, pretty much. Uh, mostly this year, LeBron, I mean, Cavs last year, Golden State before that. Um, who won before that? I don't remember. Okay, well, f- for, I, for the answer I, that I'm going to give you, you're going to have to go way back. I mean, basically... You're going to have to go back 30 years to the 1987 Lakers. Oh, wow. The easiest run I've ever seen to the to to get to the NBA Finals, as far as the Western Conference playoffs are concerned. Yeah. I mean, but I don't think any less of that team. I mean, I, I still think they're one of the great teams. I mean, the Showtime Lakers with Magic, Kareem, Worthy. But, I mean, this is who they faced in the Western Conference playoffs. Just listen to this, Akshay. In the first round, they beat a 37-win team. In the second round, they beat a 42-win team. and the conference finals, they beat a 39-win team. Wow. And, I mean, we have, we have people today talking about LeBron plays in a watered-down East. He has the sh- shitty-ass, ru- easy-ass run in the Eastern Conference. He plays crappy teams. And, I mean, this is not even close compared to the 87 Lakers. Correct. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. And, I mean, I think I was kind of mentioning on the last podcast, I don't know if you got a chance to listen, but I I mean, I, I wonder why there's so much kind of scrutiny with LeBron. I mean, like I said, mentioned last time, I mean, I don't think there's any greater, more transcendent athlete, not just in basketball, but in any sport that I've seen, that gets picked, prodded, hyper-analyzed as much as this guy does. And I just don't get it because he's, in my opinion, one of the all-time greats one of the five, six best players I've ever seen. So, I mean, where do you think that comes from? And what do you think, I mean, LeBron ultimately has to do to kind of just earn that that respect that Jordan had and some other players had where they got to a certain point in their career and it was like play, people in the media would all already give them the benefit of the doubt and not kind of question them or pressure them. I mean, what does LeBron need to do to kind of get to that point? You know, I mean, my answer to you, bro, would be this is like the statement I made earlier, and I'm going to say it again, and I'll say it again a million times. Haters are going to hate. You know, haters have to hate. You know? And I think that's what they're doing. People got to hate because of what LeBron has accomplished. You know, he's been to seven straight finals. You know, he's accomplished a lot. You know, he's a very dominant player. Yes, he's aged. He's getting older. But when he was in his prime, he, come on, dude. It's like there's, it was just like Shaq. When Shaq was in his prime, no one could stop the guy, dude. 
You know, he's just so dominant. And I think now with LeBron, it's the same thing. And even though LeBron, he's, I mean, he hasn't hit the, um, his last gas. You know, he, 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 he's getting there, but he hasn't hit his gas. But he's still, uh, he's still, I think, the most dominant player in the league. You know, and when he comes at you full force, there's, there's nobody that can stop him. Definitely. I mean, he was, I mean, he was great in the finals. He averaged a triple-double. And, I mean, I was kind of mentioning this last time when I, I talked to Syed. I mean, LeBron, in my opinion, nine straight years, the best player in the league. And I think 13 straight years, in my opinion, being a top-five player in the league. I mean, I was kind of questioning last time, I mean, which other uh, NBA players throughout history have kind of had that stretch? I mean, that kind of historic stretch where... 13 straight years being like five, being top, never falling out of the top five amongst all the players in the NBA. And then, I mean, nine straight years where you're the best player. I mean, there's probably very few. I mean, can you can you even count a handful? I can't, I mean, I can't count a handful. I mean, there's, there's very few. I would say you go back to, I mean, you have to go back to uh, history in the NBA. You definitely have to go back to Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain. And you look at uh, Michael Jordan, you know. I can see those kind of players. I mean, but but Jordan's thing is, I mean, Jordan never even played more than nine consecutive seasons. I'm talking from like a durability, durability longevity kind of stretch. Jordan played nine consecutive seasons. That was the longest stretch of seasons that he played in his career. I mean, he ultimately probably would have been at the level of LeBron if he didn't retire and go play baseball. But, well, I mean... I, I, I think that's another thing, you know. Um, a lot of people don't give, uh, they sort of think um, um, highly, more highly of LeBron, what he's accomplished so far, obviously not the ring-wise, but what he's done. But a lot of people don't realize that Jordan took two years off to go play baseball. You know, and then he comes back and he wins the title when the first year he's back. So if that goes to show you, it's like if he stayed with us two years, that would have been probably most likely two more titles for Chicago. You know, so it's like I think people sort of underestimate that, you know, what Jordan did. And I think that's what, uh, and I, in my opinion, I think LeBron, yes, he's, he's one of the most dominant players in, in, in recent history. You know, but I still think the, um, LeBron still has, um, has a long way to go to even reach Jordan's level. Okay, so you... Where where do you th- where do you kind of ultimately put LeBron right now currently? I mean, amongst, I mean, is he top ten, top five? What do you think? Top five, top five. Okay, fair enough. I mean, I think I think that's where he is for me as well. I mean, probably around five or four, and I think I think with his like career accomplishments, I think he's going to become the only player who has a legitimate shot to have thirty thousand career points, ten thousand career rebounds, ten thousand career assists. He's the only one I think is going to make a legitimate run at that. I don't know if he ultimately gets it. He might fall short on assist. But, I mean, it's going to be really exciting to see. And then, I mean, kind of going back to the finals record thing, I mean, so, I mean, why do people place such an emphasis on finals record? I mean, I think for me the more important stat is kind of like how many many championships teams were you the best player on, right? I mean, like for Jordan, it's six. Bill Russell, it's what, like seven or eight, maybe? Uh, Kareem, it's probably like four. Magic, like two or three. LeBron, it's three. Dwayne Wade, it's one. Kobe, it's two. I mean, Shaq, it's three. So, I mean, where do you fall on that one? 
you know, with this one, I have to say, you know, why people put so many, um, so much on on, on the finals, uh, and not people's like uh, players' a cream, um, a career accomplishments, because it, I I hate to say it, but uh, what people respect is rings. You know, how many times, how many rings you have. You know, if you really, they don't really look at accomplishments. You know, and I think that's uh, I, that's kind of sad. You know, like how many times have you like whatever it is, this NBA, um, NHL, NFL is like uh, the winning team gets um, gets all all the um, all the what it call all everybody knows about the winning team. They talk about it, but the losing team slowly disappears. You know, even though the losing team might have had the best year in that team's history to get to the finals. You know, and I think it's just all part of the game, and it's all part of sports in general. They value the uh, the winner as opposed to the loser. I mean, I get that team-wise. I get the winning losing thing, the whole record. I that that thing I get. But I mean, as far as like uh, when you rank players individually, I mean, I mean, I think finals record. If I mean, if it was the kind of the be all end all, right? I mean, a lot of Celtics players would be considered the amongst the top ten players in the league. Wouldn't you agree? I agree. I totally agree. You know, but unfortunately, people don't think like that. You know, I mean, you know what the thing is, I, what gets to me too is a lot of people, they don't realize is if you're going to compare one person right now, and then all they do is they compare the, like, for example, if you're born after 1990, if you're born in 1990, they don't even think about players they NBA before 1990. They just look at after what they're born. I mean, fair, it's like this is what they see, but you often, if you're going to compare one thing, you got to compare to the whole part of the league, the league's history. You know, and you have to compare player by player at that time. So I, I, I think it, it, it's a good question to, uh, to ask. Why do people do that? You know, I'm, I don't really have an answer for it, but I think it's because people are more inclined to, to go with someone who's, who's a winner. They go with someone who has rings. You know, a lot of people talk about, like, uh, with, with ring-wise, all they talk about now is, like, uh, they talk about, what, LeBron, they talk about uh, uh, Kobe, they talk about uh, all these players, Jordan, with all these rings, but no one looks back and says, hey, you know what, look at Bill Russell. The guy has uh, 11 rings. You know, yeah, the league was different back then, but it's still part of the league. It's still the NBA, it's still the NBA history. The guy has 11 rings, you know, and no one talks about that. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people talk about championships. I mean, I my greater point in this kind of thing is basically championships when determining who's the greatest player aren't the kind of the determining factor on the only thing you I should agree. look at. I agree. You should not. And that's why Jordan is considered better than Bill Russell because for they're not looking at everything. I mean, if, if championships were the only thing, that my point is a lot of Celtics would be top 10 players. Exactly, exactly. I totally agree. You know, I mean, it, it, it shouldn't be judged on championships. It, it, should be judged, uh, it should be judged on your achievements, while you, what you did during your career. You know, I mean, if you look at, like, uh, look at, like, um, other players in the NBA who haven't won rings. Look at, like, um, um, Charles Barkley. You know, I mean, when he was playing in the league, he was dominant. Yeah, I mean, he, definitely. He played with the 76ers, he played with the Suns. He was a dominant player. Yes, he didn't win a ring, but 
he shouldn't be judged for not winning a ring. You know, he should be judged for his accomplishments, what he did during this, his time in the NBA. Look I mean, at um, Reggie, um, uh, what's his last name? Reggie Miller? Uh, yeah, uh, Reggie Miller. You know, I mean, look at him, dude. That uh, guy was uh, a lights-out three-point shooter. You know, he played really well. I mean, granted, he had a chance to win a ring. He didn't do it. It didn't happen, but, you know, I don't think he should be judged less for that. Okay, I mean, kind of getting more into the finals record thing, I mean, and this is kind of an example I bring up just because I hear it from a lot of people who are uh, kind of considered Kobe fans. I mean, I kind of bring the finals record discussion when they do when you do a comparison with LeBron, I mean, right? But I say you go to a player like Scottie Pippen and Kobe, right? Are you going to say that Cope, uh, Scottie Pippen is better because he has a 6-0 and finals record and he has six championships? Oh, no, no, no. Of course not. Okay, I mean... I won't compare that. I got to compare... I'm going to compare what the, what the player has obviously done in their career. How many points did they score? How many... Um, what was their um, their average in maybe... What do you call it? Um, uh, in defense and so on, you know? That's what I would compare. Obviously, rings stand out. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, I mean, that's not the main thing you have to look at when you're looking at someone's achievements. It's how many rings they won. Yeah, and I feel like, I mean, when it comes to Kobe, I mean, when they, whenever you do a Kobe-LeBron comparison, I mean, the first thing you hear, right, is the five and two and the five championships for Kobe. Would you not agree? Correct. Correct. And then once you move that discussion to someone else like Scottie Pippen I mean the just the, the the whole stats thing will come in now I mean then the rings thing will be irrelevant right I mean for the most part so I mean I don't know where I mean I don't really mind if you believe that championships and finals records are very important but your criteria is your criteria how you want to analyze players but all I ask is be consistent with your criteria. Consistently apply it across the players. Don't pick and choose when you're doing comparisons. That's all I ask. Correct, correct. But I mean, I mean, we really got off topic with that one. I mean, I no, think we, <laughs> we really kind of went off off the rail with that one. But uh, I mean, kind of going back to the Warriors. I mean, what do you see for them this off season? I mean, they have a lot of. Uh, I mean, they have to re-sign Kevin Durant. They have to re-sign Curry. I mean, they have some other free agents. I mean, Sean Livingston, Andre Iguodala. How do you think this team looks? I mean, do you think they pretty much look the same they did this season? I think it's going to be different. You know, in, in my opinion, you know, the salary cap is going down. About $6 million less this year. It's going to be at $101 million. You know, it, it, they got to re-sign Durant. They got to re-sign Curry. Uh, they got to re-sign Iguodala. They got to re-sign Livingston. And then I think... Um, they're always saying that they're going to give uh, Iguodala a $12 million a year uh, contract. So uh, there goes money there. And then um, Durant's saying he's going to take less money. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see what kind of less money they're going to take. And another thing is uh, they're going to pay, end up paying the owner, uh, Lake is going to end up playing double the tax now because he's going to be in the repeater attacks now because they've been over um, luxury tax for over two years in a row. So he, he's going to end up shooting out more money now. 
So, I mean, we have to wait and see what happens. But uh, I don't think this is going to be the same team because you're going to see a lot of these guys, like, um, who just came in for the rings. You know, I mean, uh, I mean, excluding Durant, but you have, like, David West and you have, like, Pachulia. You have all these role players that I don't think they're going to be coming back. And I think uh, uh, Golden State is going to have to find some other guys that, are willing to take less for to try to get a ring, and I think they're going to try to um, get some more youth on the team. I think they're, from what I read, they're trying to uh, trade back. They're trying to get a first-round pick, a late first-round pick this year, because I, I I don't think they have a first-round pick. They're trying to get back in to get another young um, um, a guy to come up. I think they're sort of realizing that they're not going to if they try to resign all these guys. They're going to be very low on um, on money to spend on other free agents, so it's going to be a different team besides their core. I mean, definitely, I would think the the core four of their players are sticking around for sure. It's just, I mean, yeah. they're definitely, like you said, going to be in that luxury tax thing every year. And I mean, it's kind of uh, the only guys they're really going to have money for after those guys. I mean, after the money is all sucked into those guys is basically uh, just like kind of like those guys that would play on LeBron's Miami teams, like veteran guys at the end of their career, taking the minimum salary, veterans minimum, stuff like that, mid-level. Those are the guys that they're really going to be able to make a run at. I mean, just because, I mean... Actually, I don't think they get the mid-level. If you're over the tax, you don't get mid-level, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, they might not even be able to have maybe one mid-level guy at most. I mean... uh, most yeah. of their guys are going to have to be like minimum veteran guys at the end of their careers. I mean, looking for that sole championship that they've never gotten. So, yeah. I mean, uh, it's going to be interesting to see. But, I mean, a lot of uh, this is they've been able to do this is because of uh, Curry. I mean, they gave him the extension. I mean, it was only $11 million a year because at the time he had uh, kind of questionable ankles. He would twist his ankle a lot, uh, kind of right. roll his ankle. So he had ankle problems, and that's why they were able to pay him a lot less and then they obviously drafted Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, and then obviously the big umbrella that fell to them last summer, Kevin Durant. So I, that core will still be there. I think they play very well together. They play very well. Excellent defense, excellent offense. They're going to be a force to re- be reckoned with next year again. They're definitely going to be the, hand, the outright favorite going into this season to repeat. But, uh, with that being said, uh, congratulations to them for winning this championship and winning two out of the last three. But uh, I guess moving on to the Cavs, I mean, wh- what they're already kind of in that luxury tax. I mean, what kind of flexibility do they ha- do they have to kind of improve their team and give themselves a better shot to compete with this Golden State team in the coming years? Actually, not much, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, there is a rumor going around that they're trying to shop at Kevin Love. You know, and there there is a rumor. I mean, there's always rumors of Kevin Love going here and there. But one rumor which is kind of um, interesting to me, which uh, I think, I mean, has a good chance of happening, is a possible trade for Carmelo Anthony. You know, I mean, I can totally see that happening, you know, because uh, they're trying to get rid of Love. Um, um, So I can definitely see a trade uh, with New York Knicks for Love. Um, and then they get some sort of package back because Love is. Uh, he, he, I think um, Phil Jackson can see him as a perfect guy for the triangle. 
So I can definitely see that's one of the moves they're going to they're try to look for. You know, another thing is I think they're going to definitely look for some shooters who can actually consistently shoot the, uh, the three ball. I think you definitely have to get rid of uh, these experiments they had with uh, Deron Williams and uh, uh, the other guy they picked up. Uh, all these, like, free agents they just picked up to um, these um, on the last end of their careers. They got rid of those. I think they also have to get some, like... Um, they need 3 and D yeah. guys, pretty much. They need two-way yeah, 3 and D right. guys. I mean, that's the, that's the main focus. But, I mean, Definitely. they don't really have much flexibility cap-wise just, just because all their money sucked into their three best players. And then Tristan, the Tristan right, Thompson right. contract that uh, he got last year and the J.R. Smith one. So it's going to be a very tough road for them. And then the only thing that they really have to kind of improve their team is through a trade. And I think Love, like you, like you just mentioned, is the prime candidate to get moved. I mean either for Carmelo Anthony. I mean, some people are saying, most people are saying preferably for Paul George, but, I mean, who knows if that happens or not. Yeah, that's a good question, too. You know, I don't think it's going to happen, but I don't see, I don't think uh, Indiana would want, I don't know. I mean, it'll be interesting to see, because they probably, they already have, Indiana already has a mouse turner, so I don't think they really want to go after Kevin Love. I don't know. But I mean, I I think from the standpoint of Indiana, it's getting something for Paul George instead of letting him walk as a free right, agent. Right. That's the main. That's the only right. reason they would do the trade. And on Cleveland's side, right. they would only do the trade if they got assurance from Paul George that he would sign some Paul sort George, of extension. Correct. Right. So I mean, with that being said, it should be an interesting off season for those both of those teams. I mean, but uh, well, let's get into some draft stuff. I mean, your Boston Celtics. Got the number one pick. I mean, there's a lot of gesturing. I mean, a lot of stuff going on. I mean, it seems like uh, the Lakers have a new draft story every day. I mean, Lonzo, Lonzo Ball. They're not taking Lonzo Ball. Now they're in love with Josh Jackson. I mean, what's the whole deal? What do you think happens, I mean, ultimately at the first couple spots in the draft? Well, number one, it's like now, um, I don't know if you've been listening to the news. It's actually getting really interesting here, bro. It's like, the Celtics, you know, Ainge is Mr. Wheeler and Dealer. He's always going to be doing that. Even that's, a, that's what he's been known for uh, the last 13 something years as GM as, as of, the, of the Celtics. He's wheeling and dealing. You know, and he got the first pick. You know, I mean, this is the first time I think Celtics history getting the, the uh, uh, number one pick, and he got it because this is the wheeling and he lead, uh, the wheeling and dealing he did trading Garnett and, and Pierce to, to Brooklyn and getting these picks, and, and he lucked out getting the first-round pick, you know, and I... I Probably going to get another one next year, too. So. Most likely he will. He'll get an, most likely he'll get the first-round pick next year, too. And I think um, I'm I'm hoping and I'm praying that he doesn't trade that pick and he picks Markel Fultz, you know, but then there's rumors going on today. All, this, all of a sudden, the rumor book came out that he's working on a trade with... Um, uh, he's talking... To Philadelphia right now, working on a trade for 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 sending the the first pick to Philly for uh, the third pick in the draft and the Lakers 2018 pick and next year, which is unprotected, which could be another top pick in, in the top five, uh, most likely in the top five, and a future first round pick. That's what they're talking. That's what I heard. And that's what I'm reading. And um, there's another thing which is quite interesting, is apparently 
Magic Johnson is is uh, um, uh, a totally um, in love with Markel Fultz. And there's a rumor going on that he's offering um, their first-round pick this year, I mean, their second pick this year, and uh, Joseph Randall to the Celtics for the first pick. Julius Randall, oh, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you, Julius Randall, okay. sorry. For the first pick, but I, I don't think that's enough. He has to offer one more player. <laughs> I don't think that's going to be enough just for, to move from two to one. Because you had to send the first pick to the first pick, you know, and it, you have to offer a lot to get that first pick. And I, I think with Ainge, who knows, man? I mean, with Ainge, he's always wheeling and dealing. He's always doing, looking at things. You know, there was a rumor coming out that even Sacramento offered uh, number five and ten, and uh, it really caused Stein for the first pick. So, so it'll be interesting to see, dude. But it, 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 <laughs> I'm just hoping, praying as a Celtic, I are Celtic, and that they pick up both and and don't do any of this whole this, this trading. I think Josh Jackson is the, is a guy that uh, Danny Ainge is falling in love with, but. Honestly, it's like if you bring in Josh Jackson, you already picked up uh, um, uh, Jalen Brown. Uh, yeah, Jalen Brown last year. If you, if you bring in Josh Jackson, you, you're going to be limiting his minutes. You know, so I don't think that's the guy. I think you bring in Marcus Fultz because this guy is like this guy is the number one prospect in the NBA right now in the NBA draft. You know, he's he's a guy six foot four and a half, six foot five. Six nine wingspan, you know he scored over twenty three points in college in one year. Obviously, it's one year, and we judge it. But he played on a bad Washington team. But his potential, he has a huge potential. And I think that Ainge, I'm hoping Ainge sticks with the pick, you know, because uh, they still have the the 2018 pick, and next year's draft is loaded with big men. You know, you have three guys in. I think in the top three or. The top three or four guys next year are all a, a big men, you know. So I, I, in my opinion, I, I think Age needs to stick with the pick, you know. And then there was pictures I saw where it's like um, Marquis Fultz. There's pictures where it's like he's already been to the Celtics, where he's like, uh, there's pictures I saw today. He's sitting on uh, um, uh, a red Arbuck, uh, his nephew. Um, I went to the same high school as uh, as um, uh, uh, why am I forgetting his name now? As uh, Asphalt, and then there was a picture today where he's sitting on a red Allbox or old Mercedes with uh, a, a Celtics license plate. Oh wow! I didn't see that. Seeing, yeah, seeing B Celtic. That's the license plate. It's an old Mercedes. It, it, it's parked in front of the high school that uh, that a uh, Red Arbuck's uh, nephew is going to. And it's parked in front, and Fault is sitting on top of it. Oh. So it's like, dude, it's. Uh, I think it's in the works. Fault wants to be a Celtic, you know. <laughs> he wants to be a Celtic. So, dude, Angels. In my opinion, I'm just hoping, praying, Angels doesn't trade that pick. Yeah, I mean, I, it's to me. It seems like this is a bunch of just bullshit posturing. I mean, I think 
all these guys already kind of know who they want. I mean, this is just kind of reaching out there. I mean, see if they some team falls for their their bullshit and they get some like crazy deal. But I think they know for the most part where they're going, and I think I don't think much is going to happen. This is all a lot of just. I hope so, bro. Twitter, Twitter, blabber, blabber, stuff like that. I think what Ainge is doing is that he has all the leverage right now. Every he has all the leverage, and he he's just messing around with that leverage. You know, I can totally see Ainge screwing over uh, the Lakers, bro. You know, if like uh, if like let's say uh, um, um, let's say like uh, Ainge is seeing like his interest in Josh Jackson now. You know, when I think Ainge. In my opinion, I think Ainge uh, likes faults better, but he's trying to prove up this thing of Josh Jackson, and I know the Lakers are already interested in him. So he he, he might be doing this thing where um, he wants to entice Maggie Johnson for, to trade the pick, uh, to trade number two and uh, maybe uh, Randall and another player or another future pick um, to move up to one to draft. Josh Jackson because he's afraid the Celtics might get him. So I think Ainge is just being uh, what he was born to be is to be this uh, this GM that's going to play the game. That's going to play the um, this game where, he, where he's going to entice all these people. He, he's going to see what he can get. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, that's what you got to do as a GM in a position of a number one pick. I mean, you got to posture and kind of make other teams kind of not really know where you're going, kind of be mysterious. But, I mean, with that being said, I mean, has Lonzo Ball's dad kind of talked his son out of uh, that sh- surefire number two pick? I, You know what? That's a good question. I think that – I don't think that's the case, number one. I mean, I think that's part of it. But I think the Lakers are also now realizing that Ball wasn't as good as they thought he was going to be. After uh, two workouts with them, I think they're uh, they're realizing that. But that could be a smokescreen too. You know, they could be enamored with Ball. You know, and they could be just doing this trying to get so so Phoenix uh, doesn't get really interested in him. So who knows, man? It's just uh, right now it's a it's uh, it's totally a rumor real time in the NBA, you know, as far as draft. Every team's gonna pump. It, it, it's gonna float out all these rumors, trying to get something to go this way or that way. But I think um, the, the problem with the ball is uh, <laughs> uh, uh, the problem with him, bro, is that if you draft him, you're drafting his father too. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> and that big old mouth of his. Exactly. Exactly. Then, you know, his father is going to think like uh, a businessman, and he wants to get some sort of contract with, his, with, with the team to start wearing his, his sneakers. Uh, the baller brand or so, or, or whatever it's called, you know? So it's going to be interesting, dude. I think it's, um, honestly, I don't think, uh, I mean, I, I, don't know, no, I don't know too much about uh, ball, but I don't think he's. I think he's. Um, he's sort of overhyped as a player, you know, because he he definitely played on a good uh, uh, UCLA team. So, but it will be. Um, it's gonna be interesting to see what happens, you know, and especially in in the next uh, starting on Monday, uh, Monday through Wednesday. It's gonna be very interesting to see what happens as far as speculations. Um, 
the rumors going on to see which is which is uh, true, which is not true. And on Thursday, bro, it's going to be uh, very interesting. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens. So, what do you think on, happens ultimately? I mean, based on all the the hoopla going on, all the rumors, all this stuff. I mean, where do you, what do you think ultimately unfolds? I think ultimately, I think. Uh, see what uh, I'm hearing. What I'm hearing, I don't know if it's true or not. I'm hearing from different people, especially Adrian Wachowski is the one who was coming out and uh, and tweeting about all this. Mm-hmm. And he's pretty legit when he do uh, about his his NBA knowledge. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's coming out and saying he's coming out and saying like um, Ainge. What Ainge is trying to do is this. Ainge is trying to obviously trying to trying to possibly fleece other teams, you know, from to get like picks. He's trying to get extra picks. I think he's also trying to get extra picks to make runs at like Paul George or or Butler from Chicago. You know, that's what he's he's trying to do. He he's obviously going to get. Um, he has the number one pick. If he stays the number one pick, I. I hope he. I hope I. I pray he picks false. You know, because I think false is maybe. I think he's he's definitely a great player. He can be a great player. He has the potential to be a great player. You know, and I I think that um. But he, uh, but it's age, and age is Mister Wheeling and Dealing. You know, he's the best GM in the league for a reason. When it comes to wheeling and dealing. You know, he's always he's always looking um, uh, 100 feet ahead of other GMs as far as what to do. You know, and, and I think that um, I mean, in worst case scenario, he'll get a top three pick, depending on trades. If he makes a trade, I don't think he's going to go below number three. But uh, I'm hoping and praying he stays with with number one. He picks faults. I think the Lakers are uh, a dilemma right now. They're not. They're they're torn between Jackson and uh, and and Ball. And I think Phoenix is just going to take the person that uh, the Lakers don't take between those two. Philadelphia has the third pick, right? Or Phoenix? Oh, uh, uh, sorry, Philly. Philly. I'm thinking Phoenix. Philly is just going to. Phoenix has uh, the fourth pick. Um, Philly is going to take Robert um, Falls to them, and then. After that, that could be anybody. It could be a free fall. It could be anybody picked between between four and ten. I can't because that order can go anyway. It could be Tatum. It could be uh, it could be Isaac. It could be um, Deer and Fox. Yeah, Smith. Yeah, it's all there. After that, it, it it can go any which way. But I think with the first three, it, it all depends what Ainge does. I mean, Ainge is the He's a catalyst. Once he decides what's going to go on, what his pick is, then I think all the, the all the dominoes will fall. Okay, definitely, and I, I think Fultz is definitely. I, I mean, a first surefire number one. I mean, I I think I've always held out a position, kind of looking at this draft stuff. I mean, I always thought Lonzo Ball was going to be number two for sure, but I mean, all this stuff with his dad now, and I mean. All these people kind of seeing that uh, that performance. I I think they're really holding that performance against Kentucky when him and De'Aaron Fox went head to head in the Sweet 16, and they're really holding that against him. I mean, he kind of uh, looked like he kind of checked out in that game. So I mean, 
that that wasn't really a good look as his last game and it looks like he's kind of falling a bit so i mean i'm kind of gonna i wouldn't be surprised to see uh him go drop to four to phoenix and then have, have him and uh devin booker as the phoenix backcourt of the future and then the lakers i mean i don't i don't see why they would take josh jackson considering they already have a super skinny wing guy already that's kind of still developing a shot in brandon ingram so i mean i don't I I don't know what what they're kind of thinking with this enamoration with Josh Jackson. I mean, I see him as kind of maybe a little more stronger than Ingram, but I mean, I kind of see him as a similar player, and I don't know what what they're thinking. I mean, but ultimately, I mean, they they want they want to do what they want to do. So, and we'll see what happens. Uh, go ahead. Sorry to interrupt you. Oh no 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 no, it's okay, bro. Yeah yeah yeah. I'm just saying that with Josh Jackson, dude, it's like. I think what I'm reading about him is he's like the all-around player. I know. I mean, his offense isn't as polished yet, but he's a great defender. You know, and I think that's what sort of uh, he's that uh, the wing defender that you sort of need. You know, and like especially um, especially uh, against teams like uh, like Golden State now. You know, especially against Golden State, he's a kind of like. Uh, as a wing defender, uh, the big wing defender that's sort of, um, he's quick, but he's also sort of physical, he's tall, you know, he has long reach. That's the kind of guys that they're trying to go after. And I think uh, that's what's so appealing about uh, Josh Jackson. Okay. But the thing is, I mean, we'll have to wait and see what happens. It'll be interesting to see with all these rumors going around. Yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, I mean, I'm kind of sick of hearing all the rumors. I just want the draft to be here already. And, I mean, we're we're six days away. We're almost there. But, uh, I mean, with that being said, I mean, let's kind of get into, like, one more topic, and then I think we'll call it uh, kind of regarding your Celtics. I mean, it looks like they're going to make a play, uh, or there's kind of been stories, a play for both Gordon Hayward and Blake Griffin. So if they ultimately do sign both of those guys, with uh, presumably, it looks like it's going to be Fultz. Can they beat Cleveland in the East next season? Not yet. I don't think just yet. I think there's still there's still another player or in a way because they need shooting. They, they need three point shooting. That's exactly what they need, you know. And Gordon then, Hayward wouldn't provide think, enough of that. Or? I mean, he would. He would provide enough of that, but I still think they need. Shop walking is uh, they are getting that big guy from Europe next year. I mean, um, Ante Zizek, he's coming over. They got uh, the French guy coming over, um, Yasubile, who they call the Dancing Bear. This guy's pretty big, dude. I mean, she, you see video on this guy. He's just like he, he's like a beast. He's like six eight, six eight two sixty, same size as LeBron, mm-hmm. um, six eight two sixty. And this guy can like drive to the, he, he can drive to the basket, same like LeBron with force, but but he, he can also hit the three with consistency. Uh, this is a guy they picked up uh, last year, and I think with their second pick or no, with their third pick uh, in the draft, I think who uh, uh, I forget what year, but they're saying this guy uh, and the guy they picked up uh, is Zizek. Who they picked up are the big man. This is the 6'11", 260 guy. Who they picked up, if they came out in this year's draft, a lot of people are saying they'll be top 10. So, um, 
you had those two guys coming over. You have, um, I think, between Hayward and Griffin. Uh, 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 realistically, I don't think they're going to get both. I think it's, they're going to get one of them. And I think it's going to be most likely Hayward uh, because Hayward is more upside. He's only 26. The Griffin's like what? He's older. He's injury prone. Griffin's also, not that much older. I mean, the the thing with Griffin, I mean, he appears older just because of all the injury history and that injuries, yeah, all the injury proneness of him to him. He always gets when injured at the, at the wrong times. It seems yeah. like wrong time, exactly. You know, think, but the thing with Griffin, he's realizing as a lot of players now are realizing is yes, um, um, it's like Boston might not be a big name city like L.A. or New York or Miami. It's not a big name city. It's a uh, medium. It's like a mid market town. I mean, a, a regional town. I mean, I mean, they're yeah, regional, they're not very right. national type city. I mean, they kind of yeah, it's not, it's not a national type. They're city. prideful city. They kind of they, keep their own correct. their own stuff going on. Correct. Correct. But the what they're realizing is that when you go to Boston and you play for the city of Boston instead of the Celtics, that the fan base is like one of the best in, in the league. I mean, they were saying. Well, Griffin was amazed. You know, I mean, uh, the the articles I'm reading, he, he was like touched and amazed when when they played the tribute to Pierce uh, when when Pierce when the Clippers came there. He was amazed to see how the fans were so excited and um, and and what he called to play tribute for Pierce, even though Pierce was not playing for them. And the, the tribute they gave, the respect. Then he was even saying like. Um, when the he, he was amazed when the um, when the Celtics were were losing to uh, the Cavaliers in the fourth quarter with like two with like two three minutes left and they were still down by like 15, 20, 15 points they were still rooting for the uh, for the Celtics there were no boos there were no people leaving the stadium you know he was he was amazed by that and I think a lot of players are becoming to realize that this is like a true NBA market team you know you go there the uh, players are into the team. Whether you win or lose, they're still into you. Yeah, I mean, I agree. They're passionate fans. I mean, regional. I mean, they're very prideful. They uh, they have a lot of passion for their own guys, and they stick to they stick to their team through thick and thin. I think in a sense, yeah. yeah well, in a sense, that's what sort of lured Durant last year before he ultimately chose the Warriors. Because from what he said, it was between the Warriors and the Celtics before he chose the Warriors. Because he was lured into that, and he realized, hey, you know what? When I play there, they're gonna treat me like a—they're uh, gonna treat me like a god. The fan base, the, even if I have an off night, they're not gonna go out and uh, and say bad things about me. They'll still love me for playing there. You know, and uh, I think that's what a play uh, real. And also another thing that, um, which I think is is very underappreciated, you know, in the league is that. A lot of play, uh, players are, are realizing that they want to go play for um, for uh, uh, the Celtics coach. I think he's very underrated. You know, uh, coming out at, at a Butler, is Stevens. You know, you know, like Brad Stevens. He's a great coach. He's he's a great people-minded coach. He's just like in the mold of uh, of Greg Popovich. You know, and I think he has. Um, I think uh, a lot of players are, are realizing that. Hey, you know what? I want to play under this guy. I want to see what this guy can do to my game. What he can o- o- open up with my game. Yeah, you know, I think that's um, 
all these are, are going to play into effect in the next like year or two. And I, I think the Celtics are still a, a, another year away, far as players are thought to actually make a, a real dent and, and and to get to the uh, to the NBA Finals. Yeah, definitely. I mean, all I mean, Celtics just have so much stuff going on. We we mentioned all these draft picks all the possible trades, free agent signings they could make. And we didn't even mention their best player this past season, Isaiah Thomas. So, I mean, that's that tells you how much stuff is going on with Boston. And it should be really interesting to see what happens this offseason and in the draft for them. And uh, with that being said, Akshay, uh, thank you so much for coming on. I think uh, we're going to wrap it up thank for tonight. You. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. All right. And thank you so much for inviting me, bro. And no problem. And... Uh, Everyone, I hope you guys enjoy the draft uh, coming up next Thursday. It should be fun. And uh, looking forward to uh, discussing the draft and some free agency in about uh, a week and a half to two weeks. Thank you, guys.